Welcome back. This is Perspectives. It's the show where we have a conversation about the many ways in which we find we are different, only to discover how many more things we actually have in common. I'm Condes Presley. It's also in this program where we have an opportunity to introduce you to members of our community that are doing great work in the community. And my guest now is Anissa Palmer. She is the founder of a Metro Atlanta nonprofit organization, I Will Survive, supporting the fighters. I know you all know because you, like me, all got emails from every nonprofit that we have ever volunteered with or supported in some way this week because this past Tuesday was Giving Tuesday, the one day a year where we have a chance to show those nonprofits that mean something to us how much they mean to us. And I Will Survive is one of those many nonprofits that was asking for support on Giving Tuesday and continuing to ask for your support now. But we wanted to say to Anissa Palmer, welcome to Perspectives. Thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. So tell me about I Will Survive Inc. Absolutely. Unfortunately, I, it's a sad story in the beginning, um, but it's triumph in the end. I fortunately lost my dear mother to breast cancer. She was 38 years young, diagnosed stage four invasive breast cancer, and it had a metastasizer spread to her lungs, final lung collapse, and she succumbed to this horrible disease. I did not know that I would start this organization until my second tour in Iraq. And I see a mirage of my dear mother. And I knew at that time I would exit the military and start this organization. And so we have three amazing programs, the economic support program, prevention, education, and health and wellness services. Our largest program is economic support. We're paying rent, mortgage, utilities, travel costs to and from the healthcare facility to those who are impacted, disadvantaged families with breast cancer. I am so sorry for the loss of your mom at such a young age. How long ago was that? I was five years old, 32 years ago. Wow. I'm so sorry for that. And thank you for your service uh, defending our country. Tell us about how you became a member of the military. Absolutely. I was 21 years old, signed up to serve, and I was a little naive. I first moved into the mainland. I'm originally from the Virgin Islands and thought the military would be something like the Peace Corps, and I would go off and save people all around the world. That did not happen on a large scale as I had, had imagined. However, I am honored to have served, and I uh, was sent to Iraq twice. And so I am blessed to say that I've never lost any soldiers underneath me, but we lost so many people the first tour, second tour, but um, doing great work. I mean, really, truly, um, the leadership skills that I was able to get from the military helped me start the organization and be able to have an opportunity to serve again in another way. Tell us more about this experience you had where you saw this mirage of your mom so Absolutely. far away. Yeah, it was extremely hot in the summer of Iraq. I am in North Aramadi, Northern Iraq, and full Batarado extremely hot and I'm getting my gear together and we're doing inventory. We had various soldiers all over Iraq in different areas and I'm there with my commander doing inventory. We had $60 million of property, mostly sensitive equipment, 
on our property books and in this inventory traveling in our it's it's taking me back just talking about it now but everyone extremely was you know nervous every time you went outside the wire outside of base even though our base was um bombed several times and i'm really grateful for life to be honest it's a miracle every day god wakes us up i'm extremely faithful in that and i'm looking off into the desert in this moment we just completed some inventory with one of the uh, bases that we're at and i'm looking off into the desert and i see my mom and it's vague at first, you know, it's like, what, what's going on here? It's, it's, my eyes are playing tricks on me, of course, what mirages are. And I'm looking up again and again, and I'm trying to, you know, wipe my eyes. Is it dust? Is it the sand here? It's, I just can't believe this is happening right now in this moment. Is God giving me a message? Am I going to die? Am I going to die? Is something going to happen right now? Are we going to be under attack? Am I going to be taken as a prisoner of war? Is it so much things going on in my mind? But then it was clear as I look up the last time and seeing my mom in that space, I said, okay, God, I'm, I'm hearing the message now. It's something to do with breast cancer, something to do with helping women with breast cancer. And that stayed in my mind for the rest of that day. And I'm, I'm sitting in my journal, getting back to my cot and I'm just knowing, okay, definitely helping women with breast cancer. This is the message. I hear you loud and clear. <laughs> This image, was it of your mother as you remembered her as a little girl or from photographs that you have had over the years? And was there in the moment of clarity, one where not only God, but perhaps she was also speaking to you? Beautiful question. And my mom was adopted at an extremely young age. And so growing up, there wasn't a lot of family around and barely had any pictures um, of her. And so um, I think at the time I had one picture, I had one picture of my mother that traveled in my pocket, in my uniform, every mission I went on. But as I'm looking up, it's a clear picture of her and she has her arms out to me as if she's telling me to come closer to her. And that's why I think I didn't understand the message at first, um, but she's looking beautiful. She looks healthy and well, although she'd lose her hair through chemo she did not make it to radiation after her surgery. Um, she died before radiation uh, treatment started. But she looked extremely healthy in that mirage. And it was, wow. <laughs> I wanted to run into her arms. And, um, you know, just, just with the heat, you know, you're exhausted. And it's after going out on mission. Beautiful question. Thank you. It's almost as if you saw her in her glorified body. Yes. So fast forward from that day to ending your tours, ending your service, returning home. And how did you go about organizing and starting up an organization to help women like your mom? Initially, you know, it's sitting down with a blank sheet of paper, you know, every day, you know, we come back and it's okay, I have to do this, but how? Getting my, you know, my five W's in place. Okay, well, thank God Google is very active in this moment. <laughs> and so I'm doing a lot of research and I'm trying to figure out, you know, what organizations are already there so I don't replicate these services that are there. And then I'm seeing where is the highest need, you know? And so in my research at the time, it was Southern states, 
Georgia, Mississippi, Alabama, some of the highest mortality rates in the nation. And I said, okay, well, definitely have to be there. And so I didn't move to Florida at the time. I um, completed my master's degree in Florida, but I did my undergrad at Georgia State University. And so I had a little footprint already in Georgia. I said, okay, well, Georgia has to be it. And so from there, it was, you know, research. I'm sitting down with the Foundation Library, um, Georgia Center for Nonprofits, another great resource. And I'm asking a million questions. How do I do this? I'm hearing the message that God's giving me, and I don't know how. And so then, you know, it's starting it, applying for a 501c3 status. Our first event, we held a car wash. And I'm out in the community, you know, asking women, you know, what, what is it that you need? You know, what can we help you with. And some of the survivors really just said, you know, I need someone to listen to me. And so that's where we started just being a listening ear. And it was, you know, next, I need someone to help me get groceries. And so that was our next piece there. And sometimes even visiting some of these beautiful women in their homes, you know, tiniest apartments you can imagine with nothing in there, but struggling to pay rent. So, okay, well, this is the next piece. And so from each visitation, from each hospital visit or survivor visit in their home, our programs then began. Tell us how you have been able to be successful in finding support for I Will Survive. We have been so blessed with amazing volunteers. As we come upon our 12-year anniversary, it has been ups and downs in funding we were on a 20% projection rate in diversified funding and revenue growth year after year from 2015 on up to 2019. One of our government grants come from in partnership with the Department of Public Health in partnership with CDC. And so we got some negative effect there with government shutdown, that funding was on hold, but then COVID, the pandemic happened and we closed down our facility Donor decline is still there, <laughs> but I remember it's just okay when this happened and we had to put a halt on one of our biggest events, no fundraising, no large gatherings and 2020 in May. And I said, you know what? I, I still want to pay our, our team. I will not take a salary. And this happened for about four months and said, okay, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> it's time for us to, to downsize drastically. And so since we've been back up, we received a $95,000 grant from United Healthcare, which has been phenomenal in our outreach work and starting to build that program again to really help those who are underinsured and um, uninsured to get screenings again to make sure we can get early detection going. You know, we, you know, the earlier we detect this horrible disease, the higher our survivor rate. How do you all go about identifying the clients and families that you're able to help and serve? We are listed in United Way 211 program. And so great referral program we have. And then also we're in the American Cancer Society's database. And additionally, through the social workers, I will say, are amazing at the various hospitals throughout greater Atlanta area. And they refer clients to us. And in our application process, it is based on the head of household income um, to see the, that we are serving those who need us the most. Have you ever had to turn anyone away? We had to turn two applicants away in 12 years. And so I said, you know, when we first started, so we don't want to be any organization that closes our doors or oh, we can't help you or you don't qualify. You know, we, hey, if we need to give them back to 211, you know, United Way's program, 
you know, we'll help them find resources um, for these particular applicants. I'll never forget one because um, we do have waivers for some um, different cancers. So it's not just breast cancer, although that is majority of who we do serve. But um, one did not meet the financial uh, needs for applications. So we did have to turn that applicant away. And then another one was employed and um, still, you know, was okay. And, and it wasn't breast cancer. If I'm remembering correctly, it was um, ovarian cancer. And so we did have to turn um, those two applicants away. What does success look like for your organization? Of the various accolades, I will say that it's, it's, that's not the success for us. Really, it's being able to really have the impact. This year, we've seen the highest applicants who are homeowners, which is a pilot program we were trying to start the pre-pandemic, you know, making sure that because the majority of our, our clients are renters, how can we help build generational income, generational wealth for these amazing families? And so the impact is, is incredible when we can say, you know what, we're going to help you pay your mortgage so that you, you know, predominantly, I mean, it's predominantly single mothers with two to three dependents, it's average client that we have. And we're not only being able to, you know, impact this young lady that we're helping, but their children are affected. And it's oftentimes their children are filling out applications while they're, their mom's in the hospital and treatments. And being able to, you know, get the thank you letter or the card that comes in the mail and seeing that, you know, that thank you for helping me save my house. You know, thank you for, for being there when, when everyone else closed the doors on us. So um, to me, that is what um, our success is. How many clients would you say I Will Survive is able to help in a given year? In a given year, direct support is about 150. And that's not included with the prevention education programs that we have. And those are the workshops you all stage? Yes, we do have those workshops as well on various topics from prevention to healthy eating to increasing physical fitness. We partner with an amazing uh, fitness coach who's also a breast cancer survivor who leads that uh, fitness workshop. What sort of things does an organization such as yours need from the community around? We need, and, and this is, I'm sure, in everyone's uh, nonprofit's top, top list is funding. <laughs> and so um, we're still seeing donor decline. And then although it's slowly going back up and, and some donors who are coming, you know, hey, I can give a little bit more end of year right now. But um, so many donors have still, you know, uh, dropped out. And I, I love to make those calls personally, you know, are you okay? You know, and so one, it's a beautiful uh, survivor who's also a donor and said, hey, I, I just been diagnosed again. And I said, you know, if you need to fill out an application, it's okay. You know, we're never to never be too prideful to ask for help in, in the time of need. And so um, always funding, always funding for events. Um, we have one event coming up. It's Pink Tie Soiree. It's our 12 year anniversary. 
And so we're always looking for, you know, folks to get engaged, get tickets, come out and support, have a good time. It's going to be live music. Uh, we're toasting to 12 years of being able to provide service in our communities. Um, always volunteers. We take on three interns as well per semester from various universities. And I'll say across the globe, we started our international um, internship program back in 2019 when we had our first intern from France and then Slovakia. We have one now from Canada. And it's just an amazing uh, program, I will say. And I, I love our students. They're doing phenomenal, phenomenal work with us. Looking back on that day when you received that calling from God in the mirage of your mother, is it your sense that you've done what you've been asked to do? Done is the completion. And so um, I will say that we haven't even began yet. <laughs> so really, I mean, I will share. This is 2014. We had a first negative review on Facebook. And it was a young lady in the Philippines who reached out who was stage four breast cancer. And she needed our services. And so this is, may have been our third application internationally and say, we're not there yet. We can't help on a global scale yet. Um, I think once, once we're able to, then I will feel a little more um, to say, yes, I think I've done it. My mother was an international a citizen, I'll say, you know, spoke many various languages, even though she was adopted, she connected with so many people on our small island in the Virgin Islands in St. Croix. And I just say, you know what? I think that's the full message that I was supposed to receive. Yes, Georgia, a beautiful start, a great start. There's so many more people that need our help. Tell me more about this event that you have coming up in the next week. When is it? Where is it? And how can people contact you and the organization having heard our conversation today where they may want to get involved, they may want to provide support? Yes, it is the Pink Tie Soiree. It is Friday, December 9th. It is at the Gathering Spot right near Georgia Tech. It is from 8 p.m. to 11 p.m. And they can get tickets right away at pinktie.eventbrite.com or visit our website or reach out to us via social media. We are everywhere. <laughs> and what's going to happen? You said live music. What else can people expect? Live music, amazing food. If you haven't been to the gathering spots, they are chefs throughout the time they've been since inception. It's always been amazing chefs that create incredible food. And so, um, and we have some internal awards. We have survivors that come out and just, it's just a very powerful, uplifting event. And I can't wait for you guys to come. The volunteers who help with the work that you're doing, tell me a little bit more about the services that they're able to provide. You mentioned your one fitness expert who is a survivor in the, I guess she's in the health and wellness uh, component of the work that you all do. We have amazing volunteers from, from I mean, skill-based to even if it's a one-time for an event, that come and serve with us. And we're gracious. I mean, we are, we are really are so grateful for, for all of them. I mean, some who have um, employee giving where they can sign up through 
their employer to volunteer with us. We had an amazing lady from State Farm that came out to volunteer at another event we did in October, National Breast Cancer Awareness Month. But um, our volunteers are really incredible. And so um, actually I have two volunteers who are winning the volunteer of the quarter for fourth quarter. And one, Lane, who is a recent graduate, she's looking for employment from uh, Kennesaw State University. You know, I said, jumped on our team and said, hey, I wanna help in anything PR. And he is phenomenal. From coming out to community-based events in South Fulton, all the way up by Lake Lanier. I mean, it's it's been really amazing to have Elaine as a part of our team. And we're trying to do everything we can to help him get uh, employed because he's just an incredible. And then another amazing volunteer, Stanley, who creates videos and said, reached out and said, hey, and I wanna help you guys capture what you're doing. And just with COVID, we lost a lot of our team, of course, not being able to uh, keep people on payroll and also moving virtual is tough to really get involved. And so since we've been back outside since July of this year and rebuilding our team and our organization so we can really um, help more people in need, it's been a blessing to get some of the new folks that we have on our team. And uh, Stanley came out, so we are a community charity partner with The Race, um, amazing event they have every October. And with this, they we get a percentage of sales from every registrant that runs and walks. And um, he came out and did some great video footage and put an amazing video together. And that's up on our YouTube channel right now. We are really blessed for the people that come. Uh, for those who are been touched some shape or form with breast cancer, or just really fall in love with our vision and our mission and want to be a part of the team. And where can people find you online if they want to have more information about I Will Survive, Inc., if they need help, if they want to provide help? Our website actually just got redone, some new upgrades, a facelift, if you will. That's IWillSurviveInc.org. And folks can get connected via all our social media platforms directly from our website. We are everywhere, LinkedIn, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, you name it, we are there. <laughs> The organization is I Will Survive, Inc. It is a nonprofit here in Metro Atlanta providing economic support, uh, prevention and programming support, health and wellness support to families, women who are experiencing uh, the setbacks that come with an illness, that illness being breast cancer. And the founder and leader of the organization is Anissa Palmer. I appreciate you. Thank you for your time. Thank you so much. Perspectives is a community and public affairs program produced with you in mind. If there's a guest or an issue you'd like to hear me explore, I hope you'd let me know. The easiest way to connect with me is on social media. Just slip me a DM or send me a message. Search Condas Presley on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. And yeah, I know you're asking, how do you spell Condas? C-O-N-D-A-C-E. And Presley has two S's. That's P-R-E-S-S-L-E-Y. Friends, I appreciate your listening. Be sure to listen again next week at the same time as we explore new perspectives.
Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.